This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, here we are once again, back from our summer hiatus. It's the DLR Cast. I'm Steve, along with my good friend Darren. We are your one, your only, your artisanal hmm, podcast for day, all things David Lee Roth. Day, Darren, how you doing, my friend? It's been a while. I'm a little out of practice. Uh, that summer hiatus, I think, was good to me. Was it good to you? It was very good. We, we've been gone for a few weeks, but we're back at it. Of course, uh, not we're we're back at it. Let's just put it that way. And and uh, not a whole ton of news in the world of David Lee Roth, but there's been a couple things that have been popping and happening as usual yeah. with Dave and all things related to Dave since we last uh, got together, I think, at the end of July. And here we are early September and uh, things uh, as usual. There's a little a uh, little bit of noise that we've heard. Yeah, I think we can argue that. If we go down the whole list of everybody related to Van Halen, Dave has actually had the most headlines and activities of anyone over the last six weeks, eight weeks. Right. But here's the irony of that. The most activity while he was completely silent. Okay, (laughs) this is what I love about this. Okay, so to recap and folks listening to this who pay even marginally attention know this, but we just happen to take our annual i guess it's our annual summer hiatus right annual annual, semi-formal annual recurring inaugural whatever it's summertime yeah i mean you have to do this everyone from howard stern to most podcasts you need a break every now and then folks for your own mental health right all right so when we last left our podcast uh, Gene Simmons naturally opened mouth, put foot in it, put big <laughs> lizard boot in his mouth, as Gene is wont to do. You would think after 45 years in the public spotlight, he would stop saying things that makes Paul roll his eyes and have to kind of cover for his ass. All right. So to recap, I guess in an interview, Gene was asked or not asked, maybe probably wasn't asked, why who, <laughs> why a magician named Dave was opening for this next leg of the end of the world tour and not David Lee Roth. And Gene said, he said something along the lines of nobody did what David Lee Roth did in the eighties, but I don't want to see bloated Elvis on stage. I don't the exact quote is not with me, but he used the term bloated Elvis, which Dave is in better shape now then I will be at any point in my life. He's not bloated out this week. There are the critics of, of his vocals, per se. I was watching some videos of him with my wife last night. He can sing all the songs. He just chooses to do alternate vocal melodies at times. W- would you agree that's the best way to put it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the, the whole bloated thing, I didn't necessarily get at. Well, Without saying a word, Dave got the last laugh because about a week after that, suddenly all over social media is just one image of. (laughs) Well, (laughs) one image of. And now I think I have some exclusive insight uh, talking to some also uh, Jewish locals here. So (laughs) Diamond Dave had a photo put on his Instagram of a little kid giving the finger. And at the bottom of it, it had a caption that said Roth to Simmons. Right. And he posted it 18 times. And you go, ah, 18, 18 times. 18, yes. That's amazing. And then you think about it. What's Gene Simmons's real first name? Gene Klein. Well, before he was Gene Klein. Oh, he was Chaim Witz. Chaim Witz. Yes. Um, 
when, when you're uh, doing the whole bar mitzvah thing, you know about the multiples of 18. Yes, of course. And hi to life. Of course. Wow. Dude, you are a sleuth, my friend. Nobody else. Who thought of that? Seriously, uh, that, that makes that sense to me. Have been a neighbor named Adam Bergstein, who I may or may not give credit for that uh, exclusive right there. But long story short, that's what I think it is. That's what the 18 is. It's not just a funny number. It's that. Exactly. So here's that exact quote from Gene. It bears noting that during Dave's heyday, nobody did what he did. He was the ultimate front man, not Plant, not Rod Stewart. Nobody. He took being a front man way beyond anything. And then I don't know what happened to him. Something. And you get modern day Dave. I prefer to remember Elvis Presley in his prime, sneering lips, back in Memphis, you know, doing all that. I don't want to think of bloated naked Elvis on the bathroom floor. So... Dave gets the last laugh without saying a single word and got more press about this. His response was, like you said, the image of Rotha Simmons, his kid with sunglasses, giving the middle finger. And that was it. And that's all we've heard from Dave since then. In fact, he's barely posted. He had, his artwork has slowed down. Whatever serial comic was going on this summer, maybe he's been taking a summer hiatus. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I just think it, it's a brilliant response non-response from dave of course and the funny thing is interestingly enough was immediately about a day or two later paul posted paul stanley posted on social media basically all but saying out loud gene doesn't know what the hell he's talking about dave was awesome dave is still awesome he'll always be awesome we love him and then predictably Gene backpedaled like a good politician, almost stuck, you know, with a microphone stuck in front of him in, in the Capitol hallway saying, oh, I was taken out of context. Yeah, I don't know. You were basically yeah. implying that Dave couldn't get it done live, which for all intents and purposes, he got it done live. Say what yeah. you want to say. Is there's always going to be those haters like we talk about all the time who Dave could sing like Pavarotti and they'll say, he sucks. He's always sucked. He's always been rough. Some days are worse than others, but for what I saw on the Kiss tour, he was. He, I thought he sounded great. For the past week or so, strangely, coincidentally, I guess YouTube is listening to me. All these Dave opening up for Kiss videos keep popping up on my YouTube recommended uh, feed. Uh, I think the show that you were at in the St. Paul area came up and I was watching that the other day and he sounded fine. I don't yeah. know what critics are talking about. Uh, I've mentioned many times on the show, my wife and I, our second to last shows before the pandemic happened, we're seeing two of the Roth Vegas residency shows. He was fine. Is he the best he's ever been? No. No. For his age, but he's totally fine. He's not hiding from the notes. He's just doing alternate vocal melodies sure that was talked about in, in an earlier episode we had with uh chris from the band less than jake right he, dave can sing he's just vocal jazz uh and he's he's, he's always kind of messed with the melodies he's always taken yeah. sort of a jazz and a bebop approach to things it's never gonna even in the best of times it was never wrote by the book melody exactly what you heard on the record now let's give gene credit because he did he did backpedal, but he also publicly apologized. So, yeah, I, there you go. I, I'm going to come across as a Gene Simmons apologist here. There's a chance I might be interviewing him again. And <laughs> <laughs> the guy that you get in the interview is not the same guy that you get when the microphone turns off. He oh, heard that. 
knows everything about music. And it's not just because he wants to show you he knows everything. He's a fan. And he, oh, God, really, yeah. he, he was trying to stump me with trivia. I, I made a reference to Kim Fowley during the interview. And like, I, I think he's, he's like, you know what his first hit was? And he told me the most obscure thing. And we were talking about Jan and Dean. So anytime somebody wants to talk about Gene being a blowhard, no, he, he knows his stuff. Sometimes it's the wrestling heel character doesn't always get turned off. Yeah. And that's always been the case, right? I mean, yeah. it, nobody should be surprised about this little dust up because this has been, uh, this has been always Gene's sort of thing, right? I mean, it's just, right. it's just, He's always kind of stuck, like I said, so very often that big platform boot in his mouth. But but I got to cut you off there. Not the only Dave headline from the past two, three weeks. No, not not no, not at all. And what was that other one, Steve? OK, the other one was just this past week uh, in uh, Nikki Six is doing uh, press, I guess, for his forthcoming book called The First 21, How I Became Nikki Six. And the mm -hmm. Los Angeles Times uh, revealed that when Motley Crue invited Diamond Dave to share the stage with them opening up on their next reunion tour, the stadium tour, which was supposed to be this summer, I think, was or and is now, because of COVID, postponed into next summer. Yeah. And uh, Dave, apparently, according to Nikki, Dave responded, I don't open for bands that I influenced. And that's a quote. Nikki, that's a quote from the book. And, you know, that went all over all your hard rock websites everywhere, of course, all the usual suspects. And after right after that, six, Nikki took uh, to his Twitter to write media takes one sentence out of a new book and makes it a headline clickbait. I've come to despise bottom feet of press ripping off fans to sell advertisements. I, when I first saw that quote, it was taken from the book. To me, it didn't sound like Nikki was talking about with any malice i mean for goodness sakes nikki knows if you came up anywhere from you came up in the southern california region with a with an electric guitar between 1975 and 1984 you if you said you weren't influenced or at least and you played loudly and you weren't influenced by van halen some way you were the odds are good you were lying yeah. <laughs> so I mean, your motley crew history uh the the movie the dirt which is largely a work of fiction, has a David Lee Roth cameo, you know, an actor playing him early in there. And David Lee Roth every now and then would come on stage to play with Motley Crue at the Whiskey. Did he do a cover of Hound Dog? He, I think he did an Elvis cover. No, Jailhouse Rock, was it? It's not, Maybe. Yeah, I'm it's not, not sure. Like strangers. I think there was also a thing in the, in the book, The Dirt, about how David Lee Roth took Vince Neil out to Cantor's Deli to give him a talk of, hey, here's how the whole music business thing works. Here's how you make money. Right. So, yeah. It's not like these bands and these arts were totally out of orbit, even if Motley no. took off, you know, four or five years into Van Halen's success. Right. And that's the thing. A lot of those folks were kicking around. Some of those folks are older as well. I mean, Stephen Pierce, a rat. I mean, he's as old as Dave. And yeah. he... You know, a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys shared stage with Dave, even if around the same time, uh, shared stage with Van Halen, certainly saw them all at Gazzari's and the Whiskey and the Rainbow yeah. and all those other places all the time. So it's conceivable that they all ran the same circles and would probably influence. Yeah.
I, I I'm I'm with you there, and and I'm going to interrupt you for the for the twelfth time right there. <laughs> uh, Somebody needs to. <laughs> I don't think it's as simple as Roth saying, "Hey, we don't open up." I think that if you look at that billing, odds are he was in the jo- offered the Joan Jet spot on that tour, yeah. and that's not a big money spot no. on that tour. So. For all we know, he turned it down with a quip like that, but he's gone. Yeah, but he has he has said in the past, <laughs> what's that? I'm not going on the road for 10 grand a night. You know, no, that- and, and, and the optics of that, I got to tell you, it's one thing just to open up for kiss. It's another thing to be third on the bill on a stadium bill with with uh, with Motley and and and, and poison. Fourth, Motley. yes. Motley, poison, yeah. Def Leppard, right? Poison. Yeah. Yes. So. But having said all that, I mean, Dave has said out loud in numerous quotes that, you know, hair bands are imitations of Van Halen. Yeah. And we were a 70s band. This is what, you know, we, this is, this is how we came up and, and everything influences everybody else. I mean, at some point, and I know so many of those, those hair, quote unquote, I always hate the term myself, hair metal bands that I got into way back and they, I got turned on to them because they were in the wake of Van Halen. They were out of Southern California. They were covered by the same media, by the Kerrangs of the world and hit parader and all that. And of course, MTV, I mean, Van Halen opened up so many doors and yet nobody ever considered Van Halen a metal band, uh, a a hair metal band at all. They, to me, they were always just, I mean, the long before Dave ever said that they imitated Van Halen, that's what the press was saying 35 years ago. These are all Van Halen imitators. You know, there's a bleach blonde surfer dude, right? Wearing spandex, wearing leather. Dave used to wear, remember before the crazy eat him and smile spandex, there was the, the assless chaps, right? Leather pants. <laughs> you yeah. know? So, so, so those, those, you know, whatever reason it is, that would have been a fun tour to see per se, but, I think it's pretty amazing at this juncture in his career. He makes the headlines without even trying over and over and over again. And we still have, we're, we're still in the same position of going, is there new music? We don't know. Is there another tour? No idea. Is there a coffee table book? Is the Roth project part two coming out? We have no idea. And we still love the guy. Exactly. Exactly. One other thing that I almost missed, and that is literally three weeks ago in a website, al.com, is that alabama.com? There's an, yeah, there's an interview with John Five. Yeah. And I don't know how I missed this. And it's a great interview. I love John Five. I had the pleasure many years ago of doing an in-store with him, the nicest guy in the world. He's a huge Brady Bunch fan. In <laughs> fact, I wish I could remember the answer to the trivia question he hit me with, but he, he knew how many – what was the name of the dog on the Brady Bunch? Now I'm – now – No. Tiger? Tiger, yes. Right. He was like I, – if I remember correctly – he knew how many actual tigers they used on the series, which I think was four. I mean, this is what you do when you're driving to a Best Buy store in Rochester, Minnesota. But yeah. the nicest guy in the world. But it it was he, I guess he's a, he was advancing a show with Rob Zombie because he's been on the show on the on the on the road with Rob Zombie this summer, and he does met he talks all about Kiss. He talks about uh, he does he does mention he does mention Dave a bit and. It got me thinking, when are we going to ever see that album if we're going to? 
And he talks a lot about Kiss in this, which I, this is why I'm surprised I didn't see it from any of the. I must have missed it. I'm surprised I didn't get it didn't get picked up by any of the Kiss fan sites that I tend to tend to that tend to cross my pass. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, he does mention uh, the interview says, speaking of rock legends, he played guitar on the David Lee Ross solo on DLR band. This guy knows his stuff, whoever this interview yeah. was. But of course, Van Halen freaks, we want to know more about this unreleased album you recorded with Dave. A couple of acoustic tracks from that were released in the last year or so, somewhere over the Rainbow Bar and Grill and Giddy Up. Mm -hmm. And John says, yeah, and people really like those songs, so I'm super happy about it. Because, listen, you can't deny a good song, and Dave writes good songs. He's written some of those amazing songs of our lifetime, and Dave worked really hard on these lyrics. I'm not sure when it's going to come out or if it'll come out, but I hope it does. There's one I'll tell you about called Nothing Could Have Stopped Us, and it's unbelievable. Being a Van Halen fan and David Lee Roth fan, it's unbelievable because it's about Dave singing about Van Halen and what it was like. Really something special, so I really hope that comes out. And it says, is the rest of the unreleased David Lee Roth record in the same vein as the songs that have come out, which have a singer-songwriter sound, or is it some hard rock on there, too? And John says, John 5 says, he wanted to do this kind of a more California Sessions type of thing, and he's such an artist. I was like, whatever you want to do, I'm there for you. So it is that kind of vibe, but there's a lot of multi-tracks and different acoustic parts that all work together. And we heard some of that from the songs we know we talked about here. It's yep. kind of orchestrated, if you will. I mean... AL.com. This is the most we've heard about this album in how long, for God's sakes. I and yeah. it was it was back on August 19th, and it's like fifth down when I do a little search for David Lee Roth on you know in Google News. So yeah. rest assured, if and when this album ever comes out, we will cover it in depth. <laughs> DLR cast. Wonder like, why don't I have a Google alert for David Lee Roth or DLR setup? Because <laughs> This didn't get picked up at all. All the Nikki Six and Gene Simmons stuff did. This is I'm literally, and it's a really, if you're interested, it this guy knows his stuff. It's a really, really great interview. He talks about, he asked him about working with Lita Ford. I know a lot about John Five. I never knew he worked with Lita Ford. Talks about playing Telecasters. We talked about Peter Chris playing on your upcoming solo album. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and talks, and so this guy asked about, uh, uh, John playing on a couple tracks from Paul's 2006 solo album Live to Win, which I didn't yeah. need to go back forever and listen to, which I don't remember loving, but I do love Paul Stanley, so I got to go back and check that out again. Yeah, so I plan on going down a list of what everyone's been, you know, up to and we hear the least about Alex Van Halen but I didn't know he has an official Instagram account. Did you? What? Yeah, I was just, you know, sleuthing around a little bit. Alex Van Halen Official is an Instagram account that has 4,400 or so followers at following four accounts. That's it. There's All right, one what, was post. The, what was the last post? One, I was going to say one post, right? One post, and it's him right, you know, six months or so after Ed died. And at first you go like, okay, fake account. It's like, no, the bio is Reverend Al. Uh, that's the name in the bio is drummer and co-founder of the rock band Van Halen. It's following four accounts, including Wolf, Eric Van Halen, who I think might be a son, Malcolm. I'm not sure if that's his son. And get this VH Farms LLC. So you go VH Farms LLC and then you click on it and that's a private account for VH Farms Elite Sport Horses. Now, now if you go back to our Craig Renoff episode. <laughs> And I said, there may or may not be an Alex Van Halen related Pinterest account that had all these 
pins about horse parts. Yes. So, um, yeah, that is confirming it. It all comes full circle. So, you know, what is Al up to? We can only assume there's equestrian-esque tendencies going on, but he is on social media. In the barest of barest of ways, of course. Yes, yeah, so he's there. Um, Michael Anthony, because uh, we're talking about, hey, what did you do over the summer? Uh, the last post I saw was him talking about a sports car and saying something like, there's nothing like having a couple of drinks and going to the beach and checking out your cars, you know, that kind of thing. That's just Michael Anthony being Michael Anthony. I love Michael <laughs> Anthony, and I, de- I, I defy anybody – to not love Michael Anthony. He's just, I mean, how can you not? So that's, that's Michael Anthony's uh, recent past right there. Sammy, similar deal, but it sounds like he's been trying to put together his latest birthday bash. Uh, Have you been following his birthday bashes over the years? Uh, Every now and then. I mean, it's, it's, um, I, this isn't going to, this is more, this is more about my memory of things as than any diss on Sammy. It's just one of these things where it t- time tends to blend in, and I, it, they tend to be pretty much it's a Cabo Wabo thing. Yeah. You could probably name about the same five to seven artists on everyone. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not dissing it at all. It's just I've, clearly maybe I need to pay more attention. There's no like big news out of it. It's a regular thing, right? I mean, or has been pre-COVID. It depends. I'll admit, my wife and I went on a trip to Cabo a couple of years ago, and. The first question out of my mouth to just about anyone is, so has Sammy Hagar been here? What's your history with Van Halen? And, you know, most people say, K, but uh, no, that's <laughs> <laughs> um, Mesa. Yeah, the we wanted to go because it looks like a pretty interesting thing. Cabo Wabo is not a large club. I'm going to say it holds less than a thousand people. It looks like a hard rock cafe that you'd find in a, your average American city with a nice stage. And you're right. It looks like the same core of artists. Uh, He's passed since then. But Eddie Money, Chad Smith, Bob Weir from the Grateful Dead, that kind of a thing. There might be a surprise jam or two. And we were looking at it. It looked like it was super fun. And then you read into it and you see it's a big ticket lottery. It is not easy to get the tickets, even though he does three or four of these gigs. Last year, due to COVID, I think... He made it like a live stream or a pay-per-view, and it, he did it at a private thing for that. And I think Eddie had died the week before that. Okay, I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. That so, one I do remember, yeah. So it was, there was the video of him and Vic Johnson doing Right Now, and it was pretty slowed down and emotional. Yes. This year, I mm, things are maybe a little dicey still in that part of Mexico. So this year he's going to be doing it on Catalina Island and he's trying to figure out the logistics of getting everyone on and off the Island for that. So that's uh, Sammy's update. That seems to be all, but he has had some interesting backstage videos. He's been posting as of late on the Van Hagar channel of backstage rehearsal stuff. Cause he has done some gigs over the course of COVID. Yeah, and I thought I could have swore. Didn't I read or see some news something um, that uh, he was he was working on on new music? But also, just two weeks ago, he did say there were quote a few jams that were in the Van Halen vault. So that made it around all the you know ultimate classic rock sites and other places. He said there's not that much 
uh, unreleased material from his Van Halen tenure, but there are quote a few jams lingering out there, which he has he has said variations of that before. This made the news yeah. two weeks ago for some reason. I think that was in the book, and that was intended to be a knock on people thinking that Van Halen was prolific, and he was trying to say, "No, man, there's no songs without me or without Roth." That's my recollection from reading the book that it, he was trying to cut them down to saying like they don't really write music. They noodle around a lot. It, do you have that? Yeah. yeah, somewhat, if not from the book, but, and he does, he does address this in, in, um, in this interview. He, um, they, he mentioned a song called I want action, which was a 5150 era demo. Yeah. That, um, and I get, and that's what Michael Anthony and him talked on, uh, I guess teased a little bit about a month or so ago on their, uh, Van Hag on that social, I think it was the Van Hagar other half social media pages. And Sammy said there were two songs that were actually done 90% finished. And apparently they never got mixed, never made a record. And one was from balance. The other one was from OU812. And he does say, you know, there was a mid tempo ballad, but he also mentions, and this is what I think you're getting at, that there is just boxes of boxes of cassette tape, cassette tapes featuring, uh, Eddie with just Alex or just him noodling around on his own, just jams and him by himself. The cassette tape is running. And I mean, there's I, there's hundreds of hours of those out there. That's pretty much stone cold fact that that yeah. there's this stuff is back and forth because I mean, him and Alex especially just jammed virtually all the time, I think. Yeah, that. 1997 or 1998 MTV news piece. I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago, YouTube, again, they're listening to us and saying, Hey, check this out. And there was shelves in the background that looked like everything was labeled in order. And then I read another article about how they did have everything archived at a certain point on a radio shack purchase computer that crapped out on them and they weren't able to save all that cataloging that was done, but I do have a hunch that everything is cataloged in some form, that there were full-time people in 5150, because in this MTV walkthrough, they showed a guy, I can't remember his name, he looked like he was a full-time on-site engineer for guitar and tech-related stuff, so, you know, let's let's do the math here. Eddie was known to be very generous with employing people and paying people out, so there's there's no chance that there wasn't record keeping of some form. I would would imagine. And then that leads me to, did you see Wolfgang's post about the new coattails he's selling? No, but I did see, I did see a a thing where yet another fool decided to, to open his mouth and say that Wolfie is so undeserving. And why is he nicer to people that consistently bug him to play his dad's songs here? First off, I am perfectly happy if Wolfgang never, ever plays a song written by his dad or a Van Halen song live. Why? Because he's Wolfgang. Let him do his own damn music. Where is it written that just because you are the son that you have to play? Do you know what I mean? Let him build his own freaking career. He's not. He's only a Van Halen in last name, for goodness sakes. You know, and I, I was... It drove me crazy when people when there was that ridiculous speculation about oh there'll be a big tour and it's going to be Sam and Dave and Michael and Wolfgang. It's like are you out of your fucking minds? Come on, man! First off, his album is amazing, and he's a he's 
I'm perfectly happy if he never ever play, if if all we have of him playing Van Halen music is the stuff when he was actually in Van Halen or that video out there him playing Eruption on the bass. I'm happy with that. Let it alone, for God's sakes. I love if if nothing else, it's it's great fodder for him just like chewing people up on social media because he's hilarious at it and he's great at it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I also think that um coming to the table here as two people who have had some time in the music business, who've been following music for decades now, I think you and I both know that eventually people come around when there's the right offer. I'm I'm sure when Dweezil Zappa was 18, he was going, there's no chance I'm ever going to play my father's music. Well, it's a matter how big the check is. I'm my own man. Yeah. And- I, but that could be a special case because that's about, I think that's, that's all about art. That has nothing to do with money. I don't think, although who knows, because given the, the, all the estate problems, all that, but from what I've read, and Steve Vide made this fantastic post wishing Dweezil a happy birthday on Instagram yeah, the other yep. day. This is really, if there's any financial parts in it, it doesn't, I get, first off, him bringing this show on the road is hugely expensive. They're not doing arenas. There's a lot of people in that band. They're doing theater side shows. But this, to me, that always smacked of, of purely about his dad's musical legacy. And, and to me, and I don't know, I just think... Uh, if I just don't see it ever happening, there's too much integrity there, I think. And it just, it would just smack his, I, it, maybe if this was 25 years ago and Wolf's the same age, but now it's just like in the age of social media, it just, I think there was it anything even remotely like that is just so ridiculously transparent nowadays where Wolf's ahead of that. He's above that. It's he, he'll, he'll always value and protect his dad's legacy. Right. And I just I don't think you can there's no amount of money for him to like go out there with some Van Halen tribute band or whatever other ridiculous ideas. I mean, does maybe in a sound check somebody catches him noodling around playing the riff from, you know, maybe, possibly, probably. I mean, he's been playing that stuff since he was a kid. Is 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 uh, is Mammoth Mammoth VH going to all of a sudden do uh, do take your whiskey home or something? No. Well, let me rephrase this a differently. Okay, let's take Slash for an example here. If you said, hey, Slash, play me Paradise City, he's going to go, ugh. Play me November Rain, ugh. Slash's son is a musician. So if London goes, hey, Dad, I want to play this, he'll go, oh, yeah, sure. That, I, I'd love to play music with my son. So I think that if there's the case in the future where Wolfgang, there's certain musicians he's worked around a lot, the the Alter Bridge, Creed kind of guys, right. like Mark Tremonti. I think that there could come a time eventually he realizes, you know what, I can put some coolness on this estate and legacy and hang out with my friends for a summer tour and make everyone else a lot of money and bring awareness to some kind of charitable cause. Sometimes you'll find that people don't want to do stuff, but when they can get their friends paid and or a charitable cause highlighted, they'll do it. So maybe, I, there, there, maybe, was, there was that $100 million offer for Morrissey and Johnny Marr to do a tour together. I think Johnny Marr went, yeah, and Morrissey went, no. <laughs> so you never know. Hey, ABBA just premiered two new songs. Exactly. So who the hell knows? <laughs> exactly. I say never say never anymore. I um, just Tyson came back to boxing. You never know. I get it. But there's some things I'm, I'm a big believer that 
it's okay to say no to things and maybe you should say no to things. Yeah. And it's not about leaving money on the table. I just think there's, uh, it's, I quite honestly, I hope it doesn't happen. Let, okay. You know, Let's play devil's advocate here. If he was playing some Van Halen deep cuts that had not been played live before in an interesting way with say Jerry Cantrell and it caused the reemergence of Izzy Stradlin and all the Steve Glenn Burtnick comes up on stage. I'm trying to think of all the Steve. Oh my, come on. <laughs> now you're reaching and Robin Zander makes an appearance. Now, I mean, no, you know what? It, it would. I, and I know, I know what you're getting at my friend. And it's just, it wouldn't, it, maybe I'd be kind of oddly curious about it, but. It, they would have to totally reinvent the songs in a different way, which would piss people off, but yeah. which I would love. But <laughs> I just don't necessarily see it happening. Well, I just I heard it is. Uh, uh, props to Wolfie for handling the the idiots on social media really well. We are in agreement on that one. Yeah, I, I, he's such a monster talent. He can stand up on his own. He, I mean. And what kills me about it is when all the people and, and he's straight up said, listen, yeah, my last name has helped. Why? How could it not? But that's as far as it goes. This guy kid is so damn talented. Yeah. I mean, I'm more far more curious to know what a second mammoth and a third mammoth album will ever sound like and where he's going to go with what he creates. And I am about I mean, for the same reason why I was so excited I was very excited to hear that he was in the band because it made Van Halen. Van Halen came back, obviously, mm-hmm. and they smoked. They were great. And I was so thrilled to, for a different kind of truth because, again, it was something new. It was new music. And you and I have talked about this a lot. He brought a lot. That's the heaviest sounding Van Halen record. And it would yeah. not exist without him. And for that, I'll always be thankful and grateful. And after after. 10 years or whatever it was in Van Halen that made me look so forward to whatever he was before Eddie died when Eddie was always talking that his music sounds great. I mean, I'm going to take it as gospel. That's going to be great because Eddie said so. And sure enough, it's great. It's great. Well, that, that is the recap of, of all things Van Halen as, as far, far as I'm concerned, do we miss anybody here? I don't I don't think so. I mean, there's uh, the whole John that that mystery record out there. That'll be a whole other episode. That'll be a couple episodes as that ever hits it. But again, remember, this was what I lose track of time now, but we haven't heard any more music after those two songs that were, you know, Giddy Up was released. Why? Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Giddy Up was tied. Was that May or June? Yeah, around the Joe Rogan interview. That's right came and went and we i thought that there was going to be another two or three interviews like there was going to be hey which which uh, outlets does dave think are the coolest places to go are we gonna out of nowhere see him on the tonight show and uh uh npr <laughs> you know the throwing the dartboard at the map of coolness and relevance for the moment okay so dave's going to be on hot 97 in new york or power 105 and then he's going to be on peter rosenberg's podcast and then rick rubin i that's where I thought it was going to go. I guess. I mean, I was I was very surprised to see him pop up to see Rogan, uh, but I would be more surprised now. I mean, I was I was I was surprised to see him show up in Rogan's studio because it's during COVID. I mean, you have not seen. I I would bet you that, and the irony is, is that you. I would bet you that one that possibly the reason why that he didn't show he's not on the Kiss tour was because of COVID. 
And the irony is Paul and Gene got COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And of, of course, that, Gene's saying what he and I don't mean to go back and speculate what we did, what we were talking about roughly 23 minutes ago. But it's <laughs> always good to speculate and we're pros at it. But the first thing I thought of when Gene made that stupid remark was, all right, he's pissed. Was there a money thing? Did Dave turn him down or want too much money? It has to be a money thing because Dave's not touring with like a bare bones crew. And at that level, you know, the rock economics of the whole thing. Is, well, he's not he's not doing a big show either. It's a, it's a it's a tour bus for him. It's a tour bus for the rest of the guys in one in one bus. And I mean, the stage was kind of minimal. Right. I mean. that That's that's the basic way of looking at it. And then you go it, it, before I put everyone to sleep here, you know, spoiler, this is going to be really boring and number oriented, but like each bus is a grand a day plus, you know, gas. Right. And then everybody in that bus most likely gets a hotel room and a per diem. And right. then the salaries on all the crew people, you know, oh, it's, it, it all adds up three grand a week. And then you go, well, this is an opening act slot of, nine ten songs so the way gene and paul have known to be with money it's like there's no chance there's more than like 30 grand a night being paid and there's nothing skeletable about this whole thing and then you know okay management's taking five to ten percent and this person's taking five and taxes etc it's it, dave was not hitting the road for the paycheck that's for sure but if they come to the table and they go we're going to give you a nice, quote unquote, 15 grand a night. Now, for the painter who's opening up Garibaldi, he's going to go 15 grand a night, four shows a week, 60 grand a week. Oh, my God, I'm rich. And Roth is going to go, wait a second. So I'm going to be losing about 60 grand a week to be taking that 60 grand a week on tour. That's right. Here's reality. my what's the overhead? I, I pro, Yeah, I mean, somehow the economics had to work for him to go out on the road for a little bit. Yeah. in 2020 but um it, i who the hell knows i mean it's, it's it's amazing to me how things just don't leak out there but i i that was one of my things was it, maybe it was had something to do with money and gene felt dissed i mean hey what whatever it is we will patiently wait and because there's no news i guess that means we're going to have to get some interviews with people who worked with dave and or are huge fans of dave and keep this rolling you know and you're working on them. I know. We are working on them. So hopefully the next time you're listening, hopefully a young man named Billy Sheen will be around. <laughs> uh, we are putting this out there. We might be speaking with number five, who is referenced during the Brian Young episode. Awesome. Um, number five has been receptive to speaking with us, but and we will see if that's happening. Uh Dig into that Brian Young episode if you don't remember that one. We got a maybe on John 5. We shall see where that's going. And there's a couple of people who have Van Halen-related books about to come out or coming soon. So that's looking to happen soon. And an author named Lisa S. Johnson, who has a great book about guitars, about to come out. I think uh, the sky is the metaphorical uh, limit. Here. Van, the, the things are Van Halen and Dave adjacent. We will uh, be checking it out. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for sticking with us uh, through this summer vacation hiatus break delay. 
what do we call it? Do we have a better term? I like hiatus because I can pronounce it and not screw it up. <laughs> do, uh, yeah, if you can come up with a better name for hiatus, <laughs> I'll take hiatus, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> Good to be comparing notes. Absolutely. Great to be back here. Thanks for downloading and listening. Like Darren said, thanks for sticking with us and we've got more to come. And if uh, you see any updates posted to v, uh, posted to VH Farms LLC on Instagram, <laughs> please tell me what's on this because there is a hundred, I believe there are a hundred seven posts on this account, and it would be so wonderful to know what is going on in the horse world. And if you've got info or breaking news, be sure to email us at the DLRcast at outlook.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.